صلى الله عليك يا رسول الله صلى الله وسلم عليك يا سيدي ويا مولاي وابن مولاي يا أبا عبد الله يا رحمة الله الواسعة ويا باب نجاة الأمة ويا عبرة كل مؤمن ومؤمنة ما خاب والله من تمسك بكم وأمنا من لجأ والتجأ إليكم يا ليتنا يا ليتنا كنا معكم سادتي فنفوز فوزا all of us together wherever you are. Assalamu ala al-Husayn wa ala Ali ibn al-Husayn wa ala awlad وعلى أصحاب الحسين جميعا ورحمة الله وبركاته قال الله تعالى في محكم كتابه الكريم وقوله الحق وهو أصدق الصادقين وقل جاء الحق وزهق الباطل إن الباطل كان زهقا Sweeney, you're gathering with a remembrance of Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. As a gift to the soul of Sayyidina wa Mawlana wa Al-Imam Abu Abdullah Al-Hussein and his honorable family and companions recite the second salawat. For Allah to forgive our sins, to shower onto this gathering with His infinite mercy and compassion, and to hasten the reappearance of Sayyidina wa Mawlana, Sahib al-Asri wa Zaman, recite the third salawat with the loudest of your voices. The month of Muharram, Al-Haram, as a season of sadness and sorrow for the followers of Ahlul Bayt. Traditions tell us that when people would bring news of the new crescent of the month of Muharram to the Imams of Ahlul Bayt, they would no longer be seen smiling. They would not be witnessed as joyful. And they would encourage their followers, their companions, to establish gatherings and commemoration of the greatest tragedy that befell the household of Rasulullah. And they would continuously 
quote for all Muslims that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam has told Imam al-Husayn la yawm kayawmika ya Aba Abdullah there is no day like your day there is no tragedy like your tragedy and they would inform the Muslims that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam foretold his nation and his ummah of the tragedy that will befall Imam al-Husayn on the soils of Karbala. And he gave some of that soil to his wife, Ummul Mu'mineen, Umm Salima. And therefore, those who adhere themselves to Imam al-Husayn, the followers of Imam al-Husayn, the lovers of Imam al-Husayn all across the world, commemorate this month with sadness. However, in the midst of all this commemoration and this aza, important questions arise. Whether they are asked from individuals within the school of Ahlul Bayt, especially amongst the youth, or those observing from outside the school of Ahlul Bayt. They ask many questions regarding our aza and commemoration for Sayyid al-Shuhada, Al-Imam al-Husayn. And I believe that two of those questions are extremely important and they must be addressed and they must be discussed. Number one, why is there so much focus on Imam al-Husayn and not his grandfather Rasulullah? And your aza. While you gather in the thousands, why is it that the central individual and the central figure and your point of discussion is Imam al-Husayn and not Rasulullah, his grandfather? And number two, what's led to the killing of Imam al-Husayn? Only 50 years after the demise of Rasulullah, how can the Muslim Ummah gather and slaughter his grandson? Not only kill him, but kill him thirsty next to the Euphrates. Not only kill him thirsty next to the Euphrates, but behead him and take his woman and children as captives, paraded from one city to another as outlaws. And let me very quickly respond to those questions. Number one, let this be known to the entire world that within the school of Ahlul Bayt and amongst those who adhere themselves to the family of Rasulullah, the most important figure and the most important individual and the center of all discussion and attention is the seal of messengers. Rasulullah Muhammad. And within the school of Ahlul Bayt, no one is placed above Rasulullah. Absolutely no one. In fact, how can that be a possibility? When we follow Amir al Mu'mineen, Imam Ali, when he is your leader, who put his life on the line for Rasulullah since he was born. Because as you know, when Imam Ali was born, who was his guardian? Who was his caretaker? For those young, beautiful faces, let me inform you that Rasulullah went to his wife Khadija. He says to her, Khadija, the money is not mine, the money is yours. But this Ali, who he, he's born to Abu Talib, my uncle, he's my beloved. He's the apple of my eye. I love him. If you wouldn't mind, let us bring him. Let me be his guardian and caretaker. And Khadija, of course, responded positively to that. And Rasulullah brings Imam Ali into his home. And Imam Ali in Nahjul Balagha says, Rasulullah would chew the food and place it in my mouth. And I did not leave Rasulullah even for a moment of my life. 
according to all Muslims, all Muslims, there is not a single individual that denies the fact that Amir al-Mu'mineen's caretaker and guardian and teacher and mentor and father was Rasulullah. From that moment, their journey began until Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam took his last breath. And Imam Ali al-Nahj al-Balagha says that he took his last breath while his head was in my lap. What an honor. And he was the one that washed him. He was the one that put him in his kafan. He was the one that prayed on his beloved body. And he was the one that laid him to rest. A life of dedication to Rasulullah as a servant. He takes pride. He says, Ana abdun min abidi Muhammad. I am a abd. I am a servant to Muhammad. He was the one that defended him with his life in every battle and excursion. Ask Badr and ask Uhud and ask Hunayn and ask every single battlefield who was the one that defended Rasulullah with his life. In fact, the archangel Gabriel comes to Rasulullah. He says, Ya Rasulullah, you ought to migrate from Mecca to Medina. And the plan is that you will have Ali ibn Abi Talib lay in your bed. Why, you may ask? Ali ibn Abi Talib was a young man. A young man. To all the young men listening to me, let Amir al Mu'mineen. Ali ibn Abi Talib, truly be your role model. Don't just say, I am Shia of Ali. But you do not allow the character of Ali to resonate in your life. Being Shia is not only by wearing the Dhulfaqar chain or tattooing Dhulfaqar on your biceps. Let me tell you what Shia means. Rasulullah calls him, he says, Ya Ali, there are 25 people who are ready to kill me. Each representing a tribe from the Arabian Peninsula and they have sharpened their swords and they are ready to attack me and annihilate me. What is the plan, Ya Rasulullah? The plan, Jibra'il tells me, is you must sleep in my bed. You talk about bravery? This is no fairy tale. Imam Ali thanks Allah for the opportunity. He does sajda to shukur. He says, I thank Allah who has chosen me to be a sacrifice to Muhammad. Al-Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal in his musnad, musnad al-Imam Ahmad. This is the most authentic of scholars. And the school of Sahaba says immediately Allah told Jibra'il and Mikail, listen to this. Ya Jibra'il and Mikail, I have paired you as brothers. Which one of you is willing to sacrifice himself for the other? Jibra'il says, I want to live. Mikail says, I want to live. Then he says, I have made Ali and Muhammad as, as brothers. And now I have asked Ali to sacrifice himself for Muhammad and look into the bed of Muhammad. There you find Ali. And Allah, according to Imam Muslim, Allah ordered Mikail and Jibra'il to be the wings of Ali. One to his right, one to his left. Not only when he slept in the bed of Rasulullah, but on every single battlefield. Jibra'il an yaminihi wa Mikail an shimalih. Therefore, if he is our Imam, we must make sure that Rasulullah comes first. And if we commemorate Imam al-Hussein, brothers and sisters, let this be known to the world. We are commemorating Imam al-Hussein because he is the savior of Islam. Because he is the savior of Muhammad. Because he was the one that says, إِنْ كَانَ دِينُ مُحَمَّدٍ لَمْ يَسْتَقِمْ إِلَّا بِقَتْلِ يَا سُيُوفِ 
Qudini. On the 10th of Muharram, he stood and he saw all the swords. He says, if the religion of my grandfather Muhammad would not survive without you attacking me, then attack me. I welcome you. And that is why Al-Imam Bukhari in his Sahih Bukhari says, in numerous occasions that Rasulullah has stated, Husaynun minni wa ana min Hussein. Hussein is from me and I am from Hussein. I will survive because of Hussein. Then what does he say? He gives good news to all of you, every single one of you. Allah man ahabba Hussein. Allah loves those who love Hussein. Rasulullah had other sons, Abu Qasim. He had Ibrahim. They died. We care for them. We love them. But Hussein is different. We commemorate Hussein because of Rasulullah. We commemorate Hussein because he stood in defense of the religion of Rasulullah, in defense of Islam. And that is why, brothers and sisters, our doors. And those majalis must be open to all of the Muslims. We cannot close our doors in the face of anybody. Because the message of Imam Al-Hussein is here to rescue Islam. Our doors must be open to all the madhahib, all schools of thought, all individuals, regardless of their background, regardless of their affiliation. We cannot excommunicate others and pretend that Imam al Hussein only belongs to us. Imam al Hussein belongs to humanity. But we cannot shy away from the truth. We cannot shy away from haqq. We cannot alter reality. And we are here to educate, and educate all Muslims alike. And tonight, I'm speaking of a very sensitive topic. A topic that I believe the vast majority of Muslims, regardless of their madhab, have probably not been introduced to. And this brings me to the second fold of the question. 50 years later after Rasulullah if he was surrounded by so many loving, caring, beautiful companions, how can 50 years after his demise, they do this to his family? How is this possible? Imam al-Hussein, go read in all the maqatil, go read in all the books of history, he stood in front of them and he says, Unshidukum billah ata'rifuni man ana? Unsubuni man ana? I ask you in the name of Allah, do you know who I am? Maybe you don't know who I am. Do you know that I am the son of Ali and Fatima and the grandson of your Prophet? You just prayed and you mentioned his name in your adhan. Do you know any other grandson to any other prophet alive on the face of the earth besides me? What is my crime? What have I done? And they were determined not only to kill him. He came to them. He says to them, this is a six months year old infant. He's dying from thirst. Take him, give him water. You give him water. And you all know what they did with that. Abdullah, Aliyun al-Azghar. And this is where many people have been lied to and cheated. And the truth remains mysterious. That Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he himself was in safety. And I am here to tell you the Quran says otherwise. Sahih Muslim says otherwise. Sahih Bukhari says otherwise. 
Al-Musnad Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal says otherwise. Books of Tafsir, Al-Fakhr al-Razi and Zamakhshari and all the books of Tafsir say otherwise. That in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam, there was an assassination attempt. There are several assassination attempts on his life, but there is one that cannot be denied by a single Muslim. There was an assassination attempt on the life of the seal of messengers, Rasulullah, by whom? By the pagans? No. By the Christians? No. By the Jews? No. By his own companions. And this plot continued and continued until in the year 61 after Hijrah, you find them surrounding his grandson, Imam al-Hussein. I will be examining this topic in six stages. Stage number one begins at the sixth year after the migration of Rasulullah. The sixth year after the Hijrah from Mecca to Medina. And we will continue to discuss the six stages until we finally reach the last station. And that is the ninth year after the Hijrah. When the full-fledged assassination attempt was executed on the life of Rasulullah If you are ready for this examination, and I am extremely proud, brothers and sisters. Today, alhamdulillah, the hall is quiet. And we are ready to learn. And I am also very proud of what is happening upstairs, where we have Mullah Ali, Hakim, spending quality time with our children, teaching them the eulogies and the aza of Imam al Hussein, and speaking with them. And inshallah, soon they will arrive to the hall in order to participate in the aza of Imam al Hussein. May Allah bless you all. Let us recite three loud salawats ala Muhammadin wa Ali Muhammad. the six thank you brother and the sixth year after the hijrah rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam decides that he's going to perform the minor pilgrimage known as umrah al-umrah al-mufrada and he took his companions with him and they reached an area near mecca called hudaybiyah they were there, they, they were intercepted by the pagan Arabs, the custodians of Mecca, the custodians of the Kaaba. They told him, Ya Muhammad, what's going on? Where are you going? He says, we are coming to Mecca to perform the pilgrimage and we will leave. They said, no, we cannot let you do that. Why? We come in peace. We have no other motives. They said, you're coming, and alongside of you is the Persian and the Abyssinian and our ex-slaves, and you're talking about how everybody's equal, and God created men and, men and women equal, Arab and non-Arab equal, slave and a free man are equal. We don't want this nonsense. So you go back and come back and return to us next year. We will free Mecca for you so that you can come and perform your pilgrimage. Many of the companions, they said, Ya Rasulullah, not a chance. We will go into Mecca. We're powerful now. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was ordered by Allah. By Allah. Listen to this. We have to have a relationship with the Quran. وَإِذَا جَنَحُوا لِلسِّلْمِ فَجْنَحْ لَهَا وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ if there is an offer of peace, Ya Rasulullah, that is put on the table, always take the offer of peace. Even if you are more powerful. This peace is greater than victory. In fact, according to the 48th chapter from the Holy Quran, Surah Al-Fatih, in Islam, peace is victory. Let me say this again. According to Surah Al-Fatih, 
chapter 48 from the Holy Quran, peace is victory. You don't always have to carry a sword and get into a war too. And if you are a Muslim, if you are a Muslim scholar, if you are a Muslim group, whatever you may be, a Muslim entity, this is the teaching of the Quran. If you can make peace with whom? With non-Muslims. Peace amongst Muslims and amongst the people of the same madhab. This is, if you don't have peace, it is haram. Inni silmun. Inni liman. Silmun liman salamakum. Amongst yourselves. If somebody says, Hussein is my imam, you are taught that inni silmun. I am at peace with that individual. He is my brother. She is my sister. I am there for them. But Allah here speaks of no. Those are pagans, idol worshippers. So the following year, brothers and sisters, this is the sixth year after the hijrah. When Rasulullah writes Sulh Hudaybiyah, known as Sulh, the peace treaty of Hudaybiyah, Allah reveals those ayat. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Surah Al-Fatih, verse 1 through 4. This is the greatest victory, Ya Rasulullah. The signing of the peace treaty. Then in the 40, 24th ayah of Surah Al-Fatih, Allah says this. Let's read the Quran. Let's listen to the word of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one. وَأَيْدِيَكُمْ عَنْهُمْ بِبَطْنِ مَكَّةِ مِنْ بَعْدِ أَنْ أَظْفَرَكُمْ عَلَيْهِمْ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ بَصِيرًا Subhanallah. I don't know. Some people don't. Maybe they don't come across such ayat. And then they tell you that Islam preaches violence. The Quran preaches violence. Allah says, I know you could have defeated them. You were more powerful. But I was the one that refrained you from attacking them and refrained them from attacking you inside Mecca. Because Mecca is a place of peace. I was the one that refrained you. I was the one that gave the order for this bloodshed not to occur. And therefore you had to sign the peace treaty. So this is the sixth year after the Hijrah. You have to follow along. The seventh year after the Hijrah is known as Amul Fatah, the year of liberation. Liberation of where? Mecca. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam enters Mecca in the midst of the night. Some of you might know the story. They're all wearing the ihram. The people of Mecca are snoring, they're sleeping. Rasulullah, with all his companions, he says to them, Tipito, don't make noise. If you're wearing boots, you take off your boots. You walk into Mecca, let them be sleeping. Don't wake them up. One of those companions who was very hurt, they had taken all his wealth from him and destroyed him and burned his home. He had the standard in his hand. He had one of the standards in his hand. He banged it when he arrived to Mecca. He says, Al-yawm, yawmul malhamah. Al-yawm tusbal huramah. Today is the day of vengeance. Today we will take their wives and women as captives. The Arab mentality. Rasulullah told him, come. What are, you, what are you saying? We said there should not be a drop of blood. What are you talking about? You're giving them fear. They're going to be afraid if you say this. Ya Ali, alayka bil raya. Ya Ali, take the raya. Take the standard of Rasulullah and say, al-yawm, yawmul marhamah. Al-yawm, tu'fal huramah. Today is the day of mercy. Today is the day of forgiveness. Today is the day of compassion. Today all of you will be forgiven. Allahu Akbar. This is Islam. They enter the holy city of Mecca. The Meccans wake up in the morning. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed this ayah. To Rasulullah. And you all say this when you go to important places, when you come to the masjid, when you go to the Azakhana of Imam al Hussein, when you travel, this ayah is recommended to be read. وَقُلْ رَبِّ أَدْخِلْنِي مُدْخَلَ صِدْقٍ وَأَخْرِجْنِي مُخْرَجَ صِدْقٍ وَجْعَلْ لِي مِنْ لَدُنْكَ سُلْطَانًا 
Allah. I love it when people know the end of the ayah because this shows that we have a relationship with the Quran. And then Allah immediately says, وَقُلْ جَاءَ الْحَقَّ Now haq has prevailed. وَزَحَقَ الْبَاطِلِ إِنَّ الْبَاطِلَ كَانَ زَهُوقَ Allah makes this eminent promise in the Quran. What is the promise? That batil will not last. Batil will not prevail. You may think today batil is prevailing. Battle is going to last, battle is more powerful, but Allah, the creator of this universe, says, Inna kana zahuqa. Battle will not last. If you are on the side of haq, know that you will be the one that is victorious. Have no doubt. So Rasulullah enters Mecca. He liberates the Kaaba, he removes all the idols, and you know the story. And then they wake up in the morning, they gather next to the Kaaba, Ya Muhammad, what are you going to do with us? We know what we did, we killed your companions, we threw you out of Mecca, we fought you in Badr, we fought you in Uhud, we killed your uncle. She made a necklace out of the body parts and the limbs of Hamza. Ma anta sani'un bina, Ya Muhammad. We have heard the story many times, but let me just have you pause for one moment. Have you ever come across any leader who when he is at the height of his power, when he has the ability to crush them and annihilate them, injustice's name, justice needs to be served, those people killed, those people looted, those people plotted, and he looks at them and he says to them that you are all forgiven. Idhabu fa'antumu tulaqa. Idhabu fa'antumu tulaqa. You are now free. This is the seventh year after the Hijrah. And traditions and history tells us that in that year, the Arabian Peninsula, because of such acts of Rasulullah, came towards Islam. Every tribe, every village, every individual, every family, they came flocking to Rasulullah and they embraced the religion of Islam. This is the seventh year after the Hijrah. Then we look at the eighth year after the Hijrah and the Battle of Hunayn. This was one of the most decisive battles in the religion of Islam. Eighth year after the Hijrah. I'll go, very, I'll go over it very quickly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Imran, verse 155, describes this battle, describes this war, describes this excursion. And when you read this ayah, it's as if you're actually there, literally. This is the beauty of the Qur'an. The way that in short sentences, Allah gives us the entire picture. minkum, And those who ran away from you, when the two big armies faced each other, meaning what? The army of Rasulullah and the army that contained the Mushrikeen, the Christians, and the Jews, and the Romans. Two big armies. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Those who ran away. This is an Al Imran 155. Shaytan fooled them. They ran away from the battle. Allah has forgiven them. Now you may ask, okay, Sayyid, it's normal. There were thousands of Muslims. Some of them ran away. And Allah forgave them. Let's come to Surah At-Tawbah, chapter 9. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, chapter 9, verse 25. Allah tells us who stayed and who ran away. How many ran away? Allah has gave you victory in many places. Meaning that sometimes when I feel I have been victorious, I walk proudly. I made this victory. I did all of this. Calm down. Allah is the one that gives the nasr. Allah is the one that gives victory. Allah is the one that honored you with what you have today. So Allah says, وَلَقَدْ نَصَرَكُمُ اللَّهُ 
Allah gave you victory in all the battles that you've had. And this is the day of Hunayn. Allah is speaking about this. This is no Shia hadith or scholar or history. This is Quran. You saw your crowds and you said, wow, we're going to defeat them. We're going to annihilate them. We're so strong. But your numbers did not help you. They were not effective. وَضَاقَتْ عَلَيْكُمُ الْأَرْضُ بِمَا رَحُبَتْ And you did not know how to run away. You were all running away. Allah now does not say some. وَضَاقَتْ عَلَيْكُمُ الْأَرْضُ بِمَا رَحُبَتْ You felt this entire earth is too small for you now that you want to run away. ثُمَّ وَلَّيْتُمْ Allah does not say ثُمَّ وَلَّا بَعْضُكُمْ For those who speak Arabic. Allah says, and you all ran away. ثُمَّ وَلَّيْتُمْ مُدْبِرِينَ You gave your back to Rasulullah and to the battlefield. He had two legs, he borrowed another one. Speedy Gonzalez. Out. This is the Quran. Sahih Bukhari says, only nine to ten people stayed. Amongst them was one woman. Woman in a battlefield. She was supposed to be nursing. She saw that Rasulullah is in danger. She took a stick and she started defending Rasulullah. And amongst those individuals that stayed and defended Rasulullah, and history tells us this is astonishing. This is really, truly astonishing. I, I mean, I'm speechless at this. That after that battlefield, they counted 1,000 strikes on the body of Ali. What is left of this man? 1,000 wounds and strikes. Imam Ahmed, in his Musnad, hadith number 5,556. Sorry, 5,596. This is Musnad Imam Ahmed. He says, then after that, Rasulullah told the Muslim this following statement, Aliyun, minni bimanzilati. We have another one that says Haruna min Musa, but what does this one say? Aliyun minni bimanzilati ra'si min jasadi. Allahu Akbar. Ali to me is like my head to my body. Allahu Akbar. You see this in your own books. You witness this. That Rasulullah says, Ali is like my head to my body. And you're thinking of other ways to put someone above this individual? Beats me. This is the eighth year, the battle of Hunayn. According to Quran, they ran away. Only ten people defended Rasulullah. We're getting to the eighth year after Hijrah. Not the year of migration. Not Mecca. Eight, two years before the demise of Rasulullah. Then we come to the battle of Mu'tah. Again, the eighth year after the Hijrah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam, as you know, when he made the peace treaty of Hudaybiyah, he wrote letters and he sent those letters all the way to the Levant. All the way to Sham, all the way to Jerusalem and Palestine to establish peace in the Arabian Peninsula. This was the task of Rasulullah. For those who say that he spread Islam with violence and terrorism and fear and whatnot. So what happened is that Rasulullah sallallahu sent a man by the name of Al-Harith bin Umayr. With a letter that dictates the terms of the peace treaty, Harith ibn Umar, in the city of Busra, he was executed. They sent his head back to Rasulullah. This is the messenger of Rasulullah. So Rasulullah, in this particular year, the eighth year after the Hijrah, he sent an excursion led by Ja'far al-Tayyar, the brother of Ali ibn Abi Talib. One brother is Ali, one brother is Ja'far. Alongside with Abdullah ibn Rawah, he sent them all the way to the borders of Sham and the Levant to take the vengeance of Ja'far. 
to take the vengeance of Abdullah ibn al-Harith ibn Rawah. Sorry, al-Harith ibn Umair. As messenger. What happened there, I would like to read for you the exact statements of Rasulullah that have been written in history by non-Muslims. They have written this as a testament for Rasulullah to be a man of peace. Rasulullah woke up, he looked at the 3,000 men led by Ja'far ibn Abu Talib and he said to them, Ughzu bismillah. Go on to this excursion in the name of Allah. Not wealth, not pride, not glory, not vengeance in the name of Allah. What does this mean? That we kill in the name of Allah? No, no, he's explaining. Qatulu adu Allah. Only fight your enemies. What does it what else does it mean? that are in Sham, in the Levants. There you will find men. In churches, in synagogues, in monasteries, you will find some men there. They are in seclusion. Do not go near them. Do not harass them. Do not put fear into their hearts. They are safe. And then a Christian man wants to burn the Quran. But we don't know how to defend the Quran. Because we don't know that this is what Rasulullah teaches his companions 1,400 years ago. To show gratitude, to show peace to those individuals who are in houses of worship, Christian houses of worship, non-Muslim houses of worship. وَلَا تَقْتُلُوا إِمْرَأَةِ Do not ever kill a woman. وَلَا صَغِيرًا And a minor. وَلَا شَيْخًا And not an elderly. And do not kill anybody pleading for mercy. وَلَا اللَّهُ أَكْبَرْ وَلَا تَقْلَعُوا شَجَارَةِ And do not harm the trees. وَلَا تَهْدِمُوا بِنَاءً and do not destroy any buildings and do not harass the animals. This is Islam. This is what you have to teach your children so that they are proud Muslims when they go to school. They went. Ja'far was killed and both his hands were cut, were cut off, as you all know. And Rasulullah gave him the title of Ja'far al-Tayyar. Ja'far, the one that has two wings. We all walk in Jannah, but Ja'far, he flies in Jannah because he has two wings. And he was the shaheed of the battle of Mu'tah, alayhi salam. He's the son of Abu Talib. 1,400 years, the son, one son is Ja'far al-Tayyar, the son, the other son is Ali ibn Abi Talib, and they still accuse him, they still accuse the father that he's a mushrik. But the real mushrik, who his sons came to kill Rasulullah and his family, no, he's Muslim. This tells you how authentic some of those historians and some of those individuals narrating hadith to the Muslim ummah are. Now we get to Ghazwat Tabuk. This is the final station. Now you know what's happened from the sixth year. Now we're at the ninth year. We are at Ghazwat Tabuk. The Battle of Tabuk. First of all, in the Battle of Tabuk, Rasulullah did something extremely unusual, never done before. He kept Imam Ali in the city of Medina with the women and children and the elderly. So some people, they started saying, yeah, Rasulullah doesn't need Ali anymore. Yeah, there was a day that he could have, you know, he needed Ali and Ali needed to be there. And, but now Islam is powerful and the armies is good enough, so Ali is staying with the children and, and the woman in, in, in Medina. Towards the end of this, you'll know why Rasulullah kept him in Medina. I won't tell you now. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, there is something that, first of all, Rasulullah wanted to take the vengeance of Ja'far, and he wanted to take the vengeance 
of Abdullah ibn al-Harith and Ubaidullah ibn al-Rawah that were killed in both those in, as the messenger and the excursion. And also because the Romans had threatened to invade Medina. So Rasulullah took his biggest army yet of 30,000 men and he marched towards the Levant, towards Sham. Okay? To take the vengeance of Ja'far, to restore peace in that area, he marched them. Because he had received news that the Roman army is approaching towards Sham, and from Sham they're making their way towards Medina. Rasulullah went with 30,000 men. There when he arrived, the Romans had forfeited. They were not there. There was no army there. Rasulullah stayed there for some time. There was no battlefield. There was no bloodshed. Now you know why he didn't take Imam Ali. And he's returning to Medina. The only battle that there was no fighting. Why would he take Ali? Now Rasulullah is returning with 30,000 of his troops. This is the genius of Rasulullah. He announces to the Muslims that you all take the normal route. I will take another route. This route is called the route of Aqabah. Let me read to you from Musnad, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, hadith number 22,676. By the way, brothers, don't say just because say Jawad is sitting here and he's cross-reference everything. If you are Muslim, Sunni, Shia, Sufi, Hanafi, Hanbali, Maliki, Ja'fari, I don't care what you are. Cross-reference. Don't say this person seems like he's done his homework. Cross-reference. Why? Because when you cross-reference and you see this with your own bare eyes, it has a different feeling. It resonates differently. It sits with you differently. Sheik will not be able to shake you. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is returning. Ahmad, Musnad Ahmad says, فَعَادَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ مِنْ تَبُوكِ أَمَرَ مُنَادِيًا فَنَادَى أَنَّ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ أَخَذَ الْعَقَبَةِ A man stood and he said, Rasulullah is going from the Aqaba. فَلَا يَأْخُذْهَا أَحَدٌ غَيْرُهُ Nobody should take that route besides Rasulullah. Only Rasulullah is going through that route. Look at his genius. He's only going with two people. What? Ammar is the one that holds the she-camel. And Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman, another companion, is walking next to the she-camel. Rasulullah is the third. That's it. He's outnumbered. If you want to kill Muhammad, this is the time. If you've been plotting against him, this is the time. So this man announced it. Rasulullah wanted this to be announced. It was night, Rasulullah was moving. Now you know the she-camel, if it is attacked, it does not retreat, it does not have a reverse, you know. It goes to the right and left. Aqaba was a valley. To the right and to the left was a valley. If the she-camel runs off or runs into the valley, what happens? Rasulullah is on the she-camel. The easiest way to kill him. Most convenient way to kill him. This is Musnad ibn Ahmad. He said, Musnad Imam Ahmad. إِذْ أَقْبَلَ رَهْطٌ مُثَلَّمُونَ عَلَى الرَّوَاحِلْ they were sitting on their horses, but their face was con were concealed. Ammar, they attacked Ammar, and he was holding on to the she-camel of Rasulullah. They got so close that Ammar with a whip and a sword started hitting the faces of their horses. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ لِحُذَيْفَةِ رسول الله told his other companion, حُذَيْفَةِ قَدْ قَدْ Slow down, ya حُذَيْفَةِ حَتَّى هَبَطَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ descended the she-camel فَلَمَّا هَبَطَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ نَزَلَ وَرَجَعَ عَمَّار فَقَالْ Ammar, who was fighting those guys, came back يَا عَمَّار هَلْ عَرَفْتَ الْقَوْمِ 
Ya Ammar, do you know those people? Listen to me carefully. Ammar, how would he know 30,000 people in a troop? 30,000. How would he know them? Today, if you know every single person here, how do you know their card? Do you know which color is, is your friend's? Unless they are people that you see on daily basis. Unless you see, unless those people are people who are regulars. Unless those people are close to you. Then you know what car they drive. Rasulullah and his genius asks Ammar this question. Ya Ammar, hal arafta al-qawm? Qala araftu I knew their horses, but their faces were covered. Allahu Akbar. قال, هل تدري ما أرادوا? يا عمار, do you know what they wanted? قال, قال الله ورسوله أعلم. يا رسول الله, you and Allah know better. This is the adab of Ammar. He, he could have said, Ya Rasulullah, of course they wanted to kill you. Rasulullah says, Aradu an yanfiru bi Rasulullah. They wanted to kill Rasulullah. So that he would fall. Fasa'ala Ammar Rajul. Again, this is Imam Musnad, Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal. Fasa'ala Ammar, Fasu'ila Ammar Rajul min ashabi Rasulullah. A man from the companions of Rasulullah, the name is not here. And for discretion, I will not mention the name. But Ibn Hazm al-Andulusi mentions the name of this individual. Go and research. My job and the member of Imam al-Husayn is not to give you all the answers, but to create independent thinkers, free men and free women, because Imam al-Husayn stood for freedom in thinking. Go and research on your own. Go and ask. Go and investigate. This man comes to Ammar and he says to him, فَقَالَ نَشَدْتُكَ بِاللَّهِ I ask you in the name of God. كَمْ تَعْلَمْ كَانَ أَصْحَابُ الْعَقَبَةِ How many people were in Aqaba? فَقَالَ أَرْبَعَةَ عَشَرَ They were 14. And then Ammar says to this guy, إِنْ كُنْتَ فِيهِمْ فَقَدْ كَانُوا خَمْسَةَ عَشَرَ But if you were with them, then they were 15. If you haven't committed a crime and there's a robbery in your neighborhood, do you go to the police station and say, excuse me, is my name in that list? I mean, is that not suspicious? <laughs> why would you do that if you're completely innocent? I'll tell you why. Because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman and Ammar, never speak of the names until I die. But there is one way for you to figure out who they were. When they died, Ammar and Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman did not pray on their bodies. Allahu Akbar. Every time one of those guys died, go read what happened in history. Why was it that there was so much animosity against Ammar? Why? This is the pivotal role of Ammar. Rasulullah chose him to be his defender. He trusted his life with those two individuals, Hudayfa and Ammar. And when he returned back, what does he tell Amir al-Mu'mineen? He returns back to Amir al-Mu'mineen and he says to him, Ya Ali, I left you in Medina as my successor. Why? Ya Ali, anta minni bimanzilati Haruna min Musa. Illa annahu la nabiyya ba'di. There is no prophet after me. The same individuals continued their plot against Islam and against Rasulullah until the 10th of Muharram. Until a day came that the grandson of Rasulullah Rasulullah, the beloved of Rasulullah, stood all alone 
and he raised his voice to the Muslims. Is there anybody to come to our rescue? Is there anyone to come to our help? May Allah have mercy on the tears of those individuals who cry in the Majlis of Hussein. Sisters, don't hold back in your tears. Brothers, don't hold back in your tears. This is the... We are crying for the gharib. We are crying for the madloom. We are crying for the atshan. Who stood all by himself wearing the amam of his grandfather Rasulullah. Holding on to the Quran next to the Euphrates but he was thirsty. Let us go to his mausoleum, his shrine. Not with our bodies, our bodies are here. But with our souls, let me take you to Karbala. What is tonight? Tonight is Thursday night. Tonight is the night that the heart of every mu'min automatically ends up in Karbala. Allahu Akbar. And they say that Thursday night is the night that his mother of Fatima stands by the grave of Hussein and she raises her voice saying every Thursday you might hear it if you listen brothers and sisters because the masa'ab of Imam al-Hussein are not heard by the ears they are felt in the heart of the mu'mineen Rasulullah not my words Rasulullah says inna lil Husayni harara fi qulubil mu'mineen la tatfa'u abada the mu'mineen they feel the tragedy of Imam al-Hussein in their hearts and there is a flame in their hearts for Imam al-Hussein what does she say she says bunayya husain qataluk wa min al-ma'i manauk fatima says husain my son they killed you and they did not give you a drop of water let us go to karbala on one side there is a shrine of Hussein, and on one side there is the shrine of his brother Abel Fadl al Abbas. All the lovers of Hussein, especially you young folks, that I am so proud of you. Show your love to Imam al Hussein as if you're standing in front of his shrine and you're telling him, Ya Aba Abdullah, we are here to show our love. Our salutations to you. Ya Sayyidana wa maulana. I want every one of you to shout, to chant with me. Every single one of you, don't remain silent. Ya Sayyidana wa maulana. Inna tawajjahna. The brothers and sisters in the back, wherever you are, Ya Wajihan Allah. Ya Wajihan. If you want to write your name in the walkers of Arba'een, Ya Wajihan. Just a few moments I'll spend with you. And tonight, traditionally, they speak of the Masa'ib, of the three-year-old daughter of Imam al-Hussein. For those who have girls, for those who are parents, you must feel the aza of this three-year-old of Imam al-Hussein. Allahu Akbar. Traditions say that she most resembled his mother Fatima al-Zahra. 
So he made sure that Sayyida Zainab takes care of all the orphans. But he says, Zainab, take care of all the orphans, but especially Ruqayya. Why? Because she resembles my mother Fatima. And make sure, oh Zainab, that nobody slaps her across the face. Allahu Akbar. You know why I'm taking you to the slap of the face? Because Imam al Hussein, when he was around the same age, he had to see the face of his mother Fatima. They took them from one city to another, from one city to another until Al Rasulullah arrived to the doorsteps of the ruins of Sham. They put them in the ruins of Sham, in the kharaba of Sham, along the homeless people, not feeding them, not taking care of them. And there were people that would harass them because they told them they are outlaws. They would come and throw garbage. They would harass Alu Rasulullah. And this three-year-old girl, you know what would she say? She would say, wait for my father Hussein to come. He will defend us. Wait for my brother Ali Al-Akbar to come. They will defend us. Allahu Akbar, wait for my uncle Abbas to come and defend us until they take them to the palace of Yazid. After the palace of Yazid, this girl sees her father and her dream. She sees Imam al-Husayn, he's there in the kharaba of Sham, playing with her, kissing her. She wakes up and she says, Amma Zainab, Aina walid al-Husayn. All the brothers and sisters together, Ya Hussein, Ya Mazlum, Ya Gharib, Karbala, Ya. Sayyida Zainab says to her, Ya Ruqayya, your father has gone on a long travel. He will not return, but we will go to him. Allahu Akbar. She says, but he was just here. He was just playing with me. He was kissing me as always. I miss my father. And there was a Aza, Majlis Aza, Aza Khana in the ruins of Sham. Allahu Akbar. They were all calling out, Wa Abata, Wa Husayna. The orphans of Hussein, the Aitam of Hussein. Yazid the Mal'oon, this drunken man, he sees what is the cries coming out of the Kharaba of Sham. They say to him, Tifla. There's a kid, a baby girl for Hussein. She misses her father. He says to her, he says to them, no problem. Take the head of her father to her. They said to him, but she is only three years old. He says, no, take them. They bring a basket and they prunt, they put the basket in front of this three-year-old girl as she was crying. You know what she says? She says, I want my father. I did not ask for food. They unveil the basket. She's shocked. She looks inside the basket and she sees the beheaded head of her father, Hussein. She looks at the head, then she slowly touches the face of her father, Hussein. She says, Ya Abatah, man illadhi hazzar ra'as Who is the one that did this to you? Who is the one that beheaded your head? Ya Abatah, who is the one that stained your beard with your blood? She started removing the dust from the face of Hussein. As-salamu ala al-mukhadzab, al-jarih, masloob al-imamati wal-rida. Then she put herself on the head of her father Hussein. She began to weep, she began to, to cry. Imam Zainu al-Abideen says, Amma Zainab, irfa'iha an ra'si abiha.
فإليك يا ربي نصبت وجهي وإليك يا ربي مددت يدي فبعزتك استجب لي دعائي وبلغني مناي ولا تقطع من فضلك املي ورجائي يا سريع الرضا All of us together اغفر لمن لا يملك الا يا من اسمه دواء وذكره All of us brothers and sisters This is Dua Kumail Thursday night in the Majlis of Imam Al-Hussein Ya man ismuhu Dawa Wa dhikruhu Wa ta'atuhu Ghinan Irham Ra'su Mali وسلاحه البكاء يا سابغ النعم يا دافع النقم يا نور المستوحشين في الظلم يا عالما لا يعلم صل على محمد وآل محمد وافعل بما أنت أهله ولا تفعل بما أنا أهله وإلى أرواح المؤمنين والمؤمنات والعلماء والشهداء وخدمة الحسين نهدي جميعا ثواب سورة المباركة الفاتحة